In a divided America, I am happy to report that our mainstream news agencies have reached a moral consensus when it comes to sexual abuse. According to these arbiters of our moral life, any time a man is accused of doing anything untoward to a woman, the woman should be believed, if the man is a Republican. If the man is a Democrat, whether the woman should be believed depends on whether or not the man is an icon, the Lion of the Senate, the President of the United States, or a former comedian, in which case the situation is not the same as the Republican, because if the man is a Democrat, then the woman is probably trailer trash or dead, in which case uh, abortion rights, Donald Trump, and look over there, Prince Harry is engaged. Thanks for clearing that up, mainstream media. Another Kingdom heartthrob, Michael Knowles, is with us today to discuss the holidays you're not celebrating. Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, world is a zing It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray! It makes me want to sing, oh, hurrah, hooray! All right, welcome back. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I had a fascinating conversation with my liberal friends and relatives over Thanksgiving. I'm going to tell you about that. Before, you know, all this craziness is about to start in the legislature as they try and pass something, because what they're really deciding is not the tax reform or anything like this. What they're really deciding is whether or not there's going to be a tidal wave of Democrats elected in, in 2018, because if they don't do anything, that's what's going to happen. So that's going to get started. But before that, I want to just take a little bit of an overview, a moral overview of what's going on, because I feel there's a little bit of moral chaos. And I was thinking over the holiday and because of this uh, Thanksgiving discussion, how we come to terms with what is moral, and there I've kind of isolated two ways. I'm going to be talking about this all week, so if I don't get to some of it today, don't worry about it, but I will get to, i tell you what I will get to, is the post office. And the reason is I don't have to drive to the post office to get to the post office. You know, the post office has been part of my life since, I, when I was 13, that's when I decided I wanted to be a writer, and I started this summer, I was 13, I started sending out my short stories, and I then developed this kind of intimate relationship with the post office, because your hopes and dreams were always living on the mail, you know, and I, so I was always those people, one of those guys, when other people were cursing the post office. I like this about the suburbs, too, when other people were cursing the suburbs. I was always going like, eh, I like the suburbs. I like the post office, you know? And I still like the post office. They do a great job. It's just that today, I don't want to have to drive there. I don't want to have to wait online. I don't want to have to get there during their hours. I want to do what I do with everything else, and I want to do it out of my computer. And that's why there's Stamps.com. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer, and then the mailman comes. Our lovable mailman comes and picks it up. In my neighborhood, it is a lovable mail lady who is, in fact, one of the nicest people I know. Stamps.com makes this all easy. They will send you a digital scale, which automatically calculates the exact postage, and Stamps.com will even help you decide the best class of mail every time. I love this. I mean, this is the way it should be, right? The stamps.com. You don't have to go to the post office, but the post office comes to you. And right now you can enjoy the stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. You get it by going to stamps.com. You click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Clavon or Claven, depending on your, your social class. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. That's stamps.com and then enter 
Clavin. It's the post office, except in your computer. So, all right, holiday arguments. We put up we put up this video about how to avoid a holiday argument, a Thanksgiving argument, which I then completely ignored. But I just want to play it for you so you'll know what I wasn't doing. Here's me with my tips on how to avoid Thanksgiving arguments. Hey, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you're all gathered with people you love and eating lots of stuff you love. I'm a person who holds passionate political opinions, and like all people who hold those opinions, I pride myself on being able to avoid arguments with friends and relatives over the holidays, and then wind up getting so angry at them, I just want to grab them by the scruff of their liberal necks and force their stupid left-wing faces into the cranberry sauce over and over and over again until they finally admit that Barack Obama was the most corrupt, incompetent communist ever to hold office outside of North Korea. That's something you generally want to avoid. So today, I'd like to present my three easy tips on how not to get into political arguments over Thanksgiving dinner. Tip number one, try to stick to neutral subjects. For instance, if your Uncle Joe is into sports, you might say something like, hey, how about those Los Angeles Rams? They're doing well. And just try not to mention the football players who are disrespecting the flag that brave men died for because it'll make you want to grab Uncle Joe by the shirt front and force stuffing down his throat until it comes out of his stupid leftist ears. That's probably not your best course of action. Tip number two, if you must discuss politics, discuss principles, not people. If, for instance, tax cuts come up, you can talk about how you support lower taxes because they improve the economy and lead to greater freedom. Whereas if you let Cousin Fred go off on a tangent about how Donald Trump hasn't released his tax returns, you might be tempted to respond that at least Donald Trump hasn't corrupted the entire IRS in order to silence his political enemies the way that corrupt dirtbag Obama did. Because even thinking about that will make you want to rip a leg off the turkey and pound your stupid Cousin Fred over the stupid head until he looks as stupid as he actually is stupid. That might make some of your guests uncomfortable. Finally, tip number three, always try to listen to what people are saying and hear them out. If your kid's sister, Sue, starts saying something ridiculous about how pro-life Christians are more dangerous to America than Islamic terrorists, don't just start screaming insults at her or pick up the pumpkin pie and smash it into her self-satisfied leftist face the way you've wanted to do ever since she was born and your mom didn't have enough time for you anymore. Instead, say something like, I think I see what you're getting at, but you're still an idiot. Please pass the pumpkin pie, you fat-faced punk. Maybe you don't want to use those exact words. But if you follow these simple tips, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to have a joyous Thanksgiving holiday with your beloved friends and relatives, even if they are a pack of leftist morons who really deserve to have hot yams poured over their heads until they admit their stupid philosophy has practically ruined the country. Mmm, yams. I'm Andrew Claven, wishing happy Thanksgiving from all of us at The Daily Wire to you and your idiot leftist relative. <laughs> so that, that didn't work too well for me. Those tips didn't work that well for me. But, you know, I, I, we gathered together at my house with all these people that I actually do love and respect and admire, and 
but they're liberals. I mean, that's their they're fatal. We all have flaws, right? You know, my, mine is I pull the wings off flies. Theirs is that they're liberals. And and so Im- immediately we all gathered. Mostly the guys went outside because the women are actually doing all the work. So the guys are sitting outside, out of the way, getting out of the way. That is our job. And we immediately got into politics. And immediately they started saying, Donald Trump is destroying the country. Not, not I don't like what he's doing, I, not I disagree, but Donald Trump is destroying the country. So I thought to myself, well, this is not going to go well, you know, because I think, like, I'm going to now say, well, what about Obama for eight years? And what about this and that? You know, and you guys didn't say anything when Obama did this. And, and I said, you know what? Let's do it this way. I said, I won't, bring, I won't use whataboutism. I won't bring up Donald, uh, what Obama did. And we won't argue about things that we're never going to agree on because they want the EPA to save the planet. I want the EPA to cease to exist. I want the EPA to be a little pack of rubble with a sign, a hand-lettered sign on top that says, here used to be the EPA. That would be my favorite EPA, okay? So I said, we're never going to agree. And and I'm not going to resort to what about Hillary Clinton, what about Obama. And they kept saying, well, you know, Hillary Clinton didn't win. And I thought, yeah, but you voted for the crook, you know? So like, where, whither, whither comest to this, like, you know, sanctimonious uh, moral superiority? Didn't say it. Just stayed back. I said, let's not talk about who started anything. Let's not. I said, just tell me what Trump has done that violates constitutional rule of law and the norms of American governance. That's all. That's all I want. I will, uh, that's what I will listen to. Nothing. They could not come up with a single thing. But they all said something that I don't like about Donald Trump, that he's rude, you know, that he keeps saying these things. And he, he you know, he's threatening the First Amendment by attacking CNN, you know, <laughs> and CNN thinks the same thing. You know, Trump, Trump <laughs> this is when I love Trump, but by the way, Trump is, is tweeting. He started out tweeting, Fox News is much more important in the United States than CNN. But outside of the USS, CNN International is still a major source of fake news. And they represent our nation to the world very poorly. The outside world does not see the truth from them. And CNN answered his tweet saying, it's not CNN's job to represent the U.S. to the world. That's yours. Our job is to report the news, facts first, and then they had the little apple because, of course, CNN, that's one thing that CNN gets right. An apple is, in fact, an apple. That's the last true thing you're going to hear on CNN. But, but you know, I don't, I'm a First Amendment purist. I believe in the First Amendment should be defended to, you know, right up to the level of shouting fire in a crowded theater. I just believe that the First Amendment is the absolute bedrock of freedom. I don't, Trump has First Amendment rights, too doesn't bother me if he in, insults the press. And to use a little whataboutism, Barack Obama, you know, uh, subpoenaed the phone records of the AP and James Rosen and all these things. He, he shut down um, p- opponents' views by using the IRS to intimidate them. You know, he was, that was a threat. To me, that's a threat to the First Amendment. Trump criticizing CNN. And then, by the way, just Trump, I don't know if it was late yesterday or today, he said, he tweeted, we should have a contest as to which of the networks plus CNN and not including Fox is the most dishonest, corrupt, and or distorted in its political co- coverage of your favorite president, me. <laughs> they are all bad. The winner will receive the fake news trophy. So I love this. You know, I love this. I don't find, so this is what they're, they're worried about. This is what the liberals who said Trump is destroying the nation 
it's basically his bad manners. And I have talked about that. And I have said that I, I don't like his bad manners. I don't like the bullying. But the left has essentially co-opted manners as a way of defending their point of view. Anything you say, if you say, oh, well, you know, the election of Barack Obama was a dark day for our country. They say, you said dark, you're a racist, you hate black people. You know, they have made our opinions impolite. And so in order to fight back against them, I think it's just possible that we had to send a guy who doesn't have very good manners to fight back against them. And that's, that's a sad thing. And that speaks very badly for the country. But what I started to think about was I started to think about what the fact that we're sitting there, all these people who really do like each other, and we're all very friendly, and we all get along, and we talk about all kinds of things in a very friendly way. But at base, we all agree on certain things. And this is what I started to think about, that, that I've talked before about how decadence is good for the elites. Why is decadence good for elites? Well, decadence is good for elites because elites have mostly, most of them, have uh, internalized certain rules of life. Elites don't have children out of wedlock for the most part. Elites treat each other with respect and politeness. Elites have certain respect for tradition. Elites are the people who go to church. Elites work hard. They do all these things. And so they come to believe in what we'll call independent morality. They come to believe in the morality of individualism. So that's me. I'm an, I'm an elite. I, have say, you know, I say this all the time. It's like I, I like the people, but I am an elite. I grew up elite. I've lived an elite life. I've been an artist all my life. I live among elites. I, have, I live a very conservative life. And so if the guy next to me and everybody around me lives a conservative life, and so if one guy next to me lives a kooky life because he's an artist, I think, like, that's fine. That's not going to hurt anybody. But... If you live in a chaotic situation, if you live in a chaotic poor neighborhood where men don't marry the women they impregnate, where children don't have fathers, where the rules aren't being set, where the schools have been taken over by leftists, so they're teaching them, you know, how to put on, how teaching boys how to put on makeup instead of how to, uh, uh, you know, read and write, then you need rules. You need rules. And so you have two kinds of morality. You have rules morality and you have individual morality. And obviously, either one can be taken to an extreme. If you have too much rules morality, you have tyranny. If you have too much individual morality, you have chaos, right? But they're very different. They come from very different places. So what you have now is you have elites living out their individualistic morality but afraid to preach rules morality for fear of being seeming judgmental and tyrannical and not serving the poor. And I'll get back to this in a minute, but first let us talk about, it's almost, it's now going to be Advent, right? Christmas is coming. Christmas is a coming. And, you know, I always think the best gifts are gifts that you would secretly like to give yourself and maybe on occasion have secretly given yourself. And that's Quip, the Quip toothbrush, excellent stocking stuffer. You know, I, I only use electric toothbrushes. They work so much better. They're really good for you. They polish your teeth. They also, you are also more likely to do what you should do, which is brush for two minutes, twice a day at least. And you do that more with electric toothbrushes. But the thing about electric toothbrushes is they're huge. If you put one in the stocking, it's going to come out through the bottom, right? They're so big. You can't pack them. You can't travel with them. And they're a pain in the neck. But a quip is just so beautifully designed. They're very thin. They... 
they uh, use batteries so you don't recharge them. They don't have to come with a whole thing. It just has, they have a, they come with a mount that goes right on your mirror and fits seamlessly into your daily routine. And Quip also offers an optional subscription plan which delivers new brush, brush heads on the dentist-recommended three-month schedule for, for just five bucks, including free shipping worldwide. You gotta change those heads every three months. That's uh, very important. And just in time for the holidays, Quip is the ideal size and price to gift anyone on your list. And you can even include automatic brush head deliveries for a year to ensure that your gift keeps giving until next holiday. The Quip electric toothbrush is featured in just about every gift guide this year, including Oprah's O-List, Men's Health, Forbes, Goop, that's the Gwyneth Paltrow one. That's, 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 so all of that, very cool. Quip starts at just 25 bucks, and right now, when you go to getquip.com slash Clavin to get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash K-L-A-V-A-N. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Clavin, and you will get uh, your first refill pack for free. Good stuff. All right. Um, so we're having this whole sexual craziness going on, you know, all these charges. And of course, as I was joking at the top of the show, the rules are completely different. Everybody's yelling, oh my gosh, you have to get rid of you have to get rid of uh, Roy Moore. Everybody, why don't you stand up against Roy Moore? But then when it comes to Al Franken, eh, not so much. That doesn't have to. Uh, the, the guy, uh, John Conyers, who's like 80 now, I mean, here's a guy. There was a conversation. I don't have a. I don't have a cut list, but there was a conversation on uh, uh, ABC. I think it was, and they were all discussing John Conyers, who's been in the Senate forever and has now been charged with all kinds of, uh, with all kinds of um, misbehavior and with paying out. What's that? Oh, sorry, in front of my laptop. Thank you. There it is. Uh, he's been charged with all kinds of misbehavior and with paying out all this money to silence people. He stepped down from the, uh, he was a ranking Democrat member on the House Judiciary Committee, and he stepped down on Sunday because of these accusations, but he says he won't quit. So they, so Cokie Roberts was on this ABC panel. Listen to what the journalists are saying about the fact that people are willing to be public can change things. I mean, we all talked about for years. A little bit at a time. Well, you know, don't get in the elevator with him. You know, and the whole, every female in the press corps knew that, right? Don't get in the elevator with him. Now people are saying it out loud. And I think that does make it. That is a change. So, so wait a minute. I mean, these were the guys who were telling us that facts first, facts first and everything, you know, they're the arbiter of the truth. Why all these years? Could could Koki Roberts not get in an elevator with John Conyers? You know, I mean, because because these are things like, listen, I, I'm willing to admit there are a lot of gray areas. I'm willing to admit there are a lot of gray areas in sexual interactions. And, you know, you might not know, you might read signals wrong. You might be overly aggressive. You might do something stupid. You might be a little drunk, all those things. But you can't get in an elevator with a guy. You know, if you can't get in an elevator with a guy, the guy's a predator. And yet, then they bring on Nancy Pelosi and they say, well, shouldn't, you know, after all these big moral, this moral grandstanding over Roy Moore, they ask Nancy Pelosi if Conyers should quit. And here's her answer. John Conyers is an icon in our country. He has done a, gr a great deal to protect women, Violence Against Women Act, which the left wing, right wing is now quoting me as praising him for his work on that, and he did great work on that. But the fact, uh, as John reviews his case, which he knows, which I don't, I believe he will Why do. I believe that well, he will. That excuse me, may I finish my sure, sentence? Sure. That he will do the right thing. And is the right thing what? 
resign? He will do the right thing in terms of what he knows about his situation, that he's entitled to due process, but women are entitled to due process right. as well. But, was, but he got it. He took advantage of a situation where he had an, the rules of Congress, and I know you guys want to change these rules, but he got to hide his settlement. He got to, yeah, his well, accusers had to go through all, all sorts and of craziness. So why is he entitled to new due process well, I, in I, this case? No, I, 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 we are talking about what we have heard. I've asked the Ethics Committee to review that. Yeah. He has said he'd be open. He it will cooperate you believe with any accusers? review. Excuse me. Do you believe John Conyers is a I don't know who they are. Do you? They have not really come forward. So she kind of just dropped the ball, right? She did, didn't want to call for this guy to resign. Nobody wants to call for Al Franken to resign. Everybody wants Roy Moore to resign, to, to not uh, be elected because he's the Republican. So basically what happened over the Thanksgiving weekend is the Democrats counted how many of these things are going to hurt them, and suddenly they've got this, they start to very much soft-pedal this. So my point here is this. People are angry at Donald Trump because he's impolite, but politeness is morality in action, right? Politeness are our ethics expressing themselves. How can we have agreement on politeness when we don't agree on the very, very basic things, tenets of morality? And that's what I'm going to explore in a moment, but first... First, we have to talk about, I love this sponsor, Man Crates, right? I, I talked about this last week. Man Crates is, you know, if, if my wife, I'm sure there are a lot of women who get this. My wife says, what do you want for Christmas? I say, I don't know. Just give me something nice, you know, I don't know. Because <laughs> I don't know what I want. So Man Crates has this great stuff where they have collected, they've curated stuff that men like. And they've put them in these tremendous wooden boxes. And they come with a crowbar so the man gets to rip them open. And if you want them wrapped, they'll wrap them in duct tape. <laughs> so you have to get through the duct tape. So we decided that we would get a man. They sent us a Man Crate. They sent me a man crate. I, I requested the whiskey appreciation man crate, and they sent it to me. And you know those unboxing videos? <laughs> we decided that I wanted to do it live, but everybody was afraid I'd hurt somebody with the crowbar, which wasn't fair. You know, I, you would think, because I'm so absent-minded, people think I can't do this stuff, but I'm actually very handy. So we actually did this on video. We have an unboxing video of me and my man crates. This comes from man crates, and man crates one of the coolest gift ideas ever, I think. It's just stuff men like that comes in a crate with a, a crowbar to open it up. I will get through this box. Mancrates.com slash Clavin for 5% off. And now we will open this thing up. <laughs> That's the first time I've seen this. You guys thought I couldn't do this, right? <laughs> first... Uh oh, this is oh, this is my kind of thing. <laughs> this is great. This is a sphere ice mold. So let's see what else we got. We have oh my gosh, Valadosta pecans glaze. This may be the best gift anyone could get. Artisan peppercorn blistered Virginia peanuts. Now these are very important because if you're drinking, you definitely want to eat as well. Pistachios. And what is this? Oh, this is a stopper, a beautiful, beautiful glass stopper, really nice. And here is coasters, so your wife doesn't get angry at you for putting rings on the table. 33 glasses of whiskey, a pocket whiskey tasting journal. Excellent, I love this. Oh, wow, geez, this is really beautiful. This is a whiskey decanter. And here is the most important thing about drinking whiskey. You have to have a great whiskey glass. 
if this showed up under my tree for Christmas, I would really, I would just be absolute. These are beautiful, beautiful glasses. Good job, Man Crates. This, I have to say, this is the only unboxing video I would watch. It's mancrates.com slash Clavin, K-L-A-B-A-N. You should know. It's mancrates.com slash Clavin. You will get 5% off. Really, really excellent gift, I have to say. This was good stuff. <laughs> I hadn't seen that before. And I didn't hurt myself. I, I think I killed one of the extras or something. But I, aside from that, mancrates.com slash Clavin. You get 5% off. They have And go on their website. Really, go on their website because they have a huge selection of different things. I, of course, went right for the whiskey. But there's poker chips. There's uh, hobby-type stuff, fishing things and all that. Really good stuff. Michael Knowles, the heartthrob star of Another Kingdom, uh, will be with us momentarily. But first, I have to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Come on over to thedailywire.com. You can listen to the rest of the show, but if you had only subscribed... Oh, you can do it now. You can subscribe now for a lousy 10 bucks a month. You can watch the whole show right there. You can be part of the mailbag. If you subscribe for a year, it's just 100 lousy bucks, and you get the Leftist Tears Tumblr, which actually just... The minute Knowles walks into a room, this thing fills up. It's just a, a miraculous thing. All right, come on over. So I want to show you uh, a, an article, a, a picture that is an article uh, in the New York Times that was called His Eye Makeup is Way Better Than Yours. And it's by B. Shapiro. So I'm very suspicious uh, that one of our guys may be moonlighting. Uh, His eye makeup is way better than yours. Do we have a picture from this thing? It's a 10-year-old boy in a girl's makeup, basically. And it it's about kids who do this on YouTube to sell makeup. So it starts, would you be inclined to buy makeup because a 10-year-old boy is showing you how to create a look on Instagram? If we're talking about Jack Bennett, uh, then the answer could well be a resounding yes. Since convincing his mother to start his account in May, young Mr. Bennett, who lives in Berkshire, England, has amassed 331,000 followers and attracted the attention of brands like MAC and NYX, which have offered products to, re to create looks. So, in other words, uh, this is a kid who's selling this makeup. So, he, here's the thing. <laughs> I, a lot of people attack the Times for sexualizing a child, a 10-year-old child. I think that that is a trick. I think that that's what they want you to get upset about. I think this is sick thing to do to a boy. I think it's a sick thing to let a little boy do. A 10-year-old boy doesn't know his sexuality. He doesn't know where he's going with this. He may have all kinds of different things. I think allowing him to get into this mindset is perverted and sick and twisted, and I think to sell it in the New York Times is perverted and sick and twisted, okay? I'm not saying, look, the guy, the kid grows up and he decides as an adult that he's gay or he decides as an adult that he's effeminate. None of my business, absolutely none of my business, to sell the fact that this is an all right thing to let your 10-year-old boy do, sick, twisted, perverse. So we can't even decide this. I mean, the thing about the Roy Moore thing, as I played uh, the video before, is his opponent supports aborting viable children. I mean, most states, they stop it. You can have an abortion up to 20 weeks. And now they know at 21 weeks, they have kept a baby alive, a perfectly healthy baby alive. So yeah, would I have a debate with somebody about an, a non-viable baby? Okay, I'll have that debate. But after that, 
you're just a child killer, you know? So when you say to me, oh, you're supporting a, you know, a guy who felt up a 14-year-old girl 30 years ago, I think, yeah, the guy's a creep. I don't like Roy Moore anyway. I, don't, I wouldn't like Roy Moore even if he hadn't done that stuff. He's not my kind of candidate, but he's running against a guy, American psycho. He's running against somebody who kills babies, you know, who's in favor of killing babies. We can't even agree on these basic things. So the New York Times, which is just waging a war on men, and it has been doing that for a long time, but it is using this, you know, sexual scandal thing to up the ante, runs a piece called The Unexamined Brutality of the Male Libido by Stephen March. And I want to read just a, a little bit of this because this is the kind of thing that we can't even, I mean, how can we agree on what's polite, on what's decent, on what's right, if we can't even agree on what a man or a woman is, right? So the unexamined brutality of the male libido. After weeks of continuously unfolding abuse scandals, men have become quite literally unbelievable. What any given man might say about gender politics and how he treats women are separate and unrelated phenomena. Flash, you know, this is like a scoop at the New York Times that what people say and what people do is sometimes not the same. Liberal or conservative, feminist or chauvinist, woke or benighted, young or old, found on Fox News or in the New Republic, a man's stated opinions have next to no relationship to behavior. This is the New York Times is news. This is like the rest of us understand this called hypocrisy, right? Men arrive at this moment of reckoning woefully unprepared. Most are shocked by the reality of women's lived experience. Almost all are uninterested or unwilling to grapple with the problem at the heart of all this, the often ugly and dangerous nature of the male libido. The crisis we are approaching is fundamental. How can healthy sexuality ever occur in conditions in which men and women are not equal? How are we supposed to create an equal world when male mechanisms of desire are inherently brutal? We cannot answer these questions unless we face them. I'm not asking for male consciousness-raising groups. Let's start with basic understanding that masculinity is a subject worth thinking about. Now, I always love when the left catches up with us because we've been talking about masculinity all this time. That alone would be an immense step forward. If you want to be a civilized man, you have to consider what you are. Pretending to be something else, some fiction if you would prefer to be, cannot help. It is not morality but culture accepting our monstrosity, reckoning with it that can save us if anything can. Here's the thing. I agree with every word about this as long as you take out the word male. As long as you say that it's about everybody's libido is dangerous and violent and, you know, that's what I was talking about Charles Manson. Like, Charles Manson wouldn't have been Charles Manson if women hadn't flocked to him, if women didn't have that. Like, I didn't write the book uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. I saw, I, I scrolled through the movie Fifty Shades of Grey and I was shocked at the brutality of it. I was shocked at what a woman's fantasy looks like. I, really, I mean, how, how would I know? How would I know? I mean, that, that, that a, you know, a woman's fantasy might involve a little towel snapping and, you know, slap with what the British call slap and tickle, that doesn't shock me at all. But that's, that thing was brutal. That was a brutal. Like I was kind of watching it through my fingers. You know, like really, they were, that's that's the that's the fantasy. So I mean, it's like these guys are not accepting sexuality at all. They're not accepting the nature of sexuality at all. Why do we open doors? Why are we polite? Why do we speak to each other this way? If the left is actually going to have that conversation, they're not. They're just going to blame men. But if they were going to have that conversation, we could begin to have a conversation where people can start to agree on things. Why is Donald Trump rude? Why, why is it okay with someone like me who puts a very high value on politeness? Why is it okay with me sometimes when he's rude? You know, why, why does that happen? It's because the bottom has fallen out of our moral assumptions. If it is okay to run for the Senate while believing that a baby can be killed at eight and a half months, you know, what happens, what magic happens between eight and a half and nine months that turns that into a child? You know, what, 
if we if we can't even agree on that, how can we agree on anything? And why should anybody be polite? Why should anybody be polite if if a guy can be what is essentially a savage, and what Doug Jones believes is the belief of a savage, and run for the Senate? Now the other guy is a creep. I, I acknowledge that. I think he's a. I thought he was a creep before these stories came out. But the other guy is a savage. And if we don't have agreement on that, I don't think we can have agreement on much. Speaking of savages, let's bring on Knowles. Ah, there he is. Great Thank you for the, <laughs> the book and movie recommendation, Fifty Shades of Grey. I hadn't, I hadn't heard of that one before. It sounds great. It's, it was terrific. When I say I scrolled through it, I scrolled through it very, very slowly. Yeah. <laughs> I stopped. So uh, another great weekend for Another Kingdom, I have to say. It's now over 1,000 five-star reviews. It is unbelievable how many... I, I was kind of nervous that I thought Thanksgiving would yeah. kill us. Yeah. But I guess everyone, they had their dinner. They had their very tense... Trump political conversations, <laughs> and then they just immediately ran out and downloaded another kingdom. So that's great. great. I know. And, and, the, and the things they are saying, even about you on occasion, are actually quite nice. It's amazing, because I, I've only written uh, 585 of those reviews, which means that, that there are 115 <laughs> reviews that were nice to me that I didn't write. That's amazing. That mm -hmm. is amazing. Yeah. And it was a great, it was a, a lot of holidays have been happening. There was Thanksgiving, there's yep. Black Friday, yep. there's Evacuation Day, and now there's Cyber Monday. <laughs> what, wait, 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 I missed it. What was Evacuation Day? Nobody <laughs> nobody celebrates this anymore, and it's very, very upsetting. Evacuation Day is the day that the British troops left Manhattan. It's November <laughs> oh, 25th. God, I'm, I'm glad it's sad. I was it sorry. is. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it could have been a lot of things. Yeah. It's the day the British troops left Manhattan okay. in 1783. The last shot of the Revolutionary War was fired on Evacuation Day because a British trip, uh, ship was leaving, and some jerks in Staten Island were screaming at them, so they shot a cannonball at them. <laughs> It didn't hit anybody, which is nice. Washington triumphantly paraded t down to Manhattan. Nice. I actually had a an adult beverage or ten at the place where he said farewell to the troops at Francis, Francis Tavern, Tavern in New York. I remembered well, yeah. And yeah, great place. And it, it reminded me though that there were a lot of holidays in the United States that we used to celebrate that were awesome that we don't celebrate anymore. We had in the in the era where we were celebrating Evacuation Day. Yeah. We had Training Day. This happened six times a year. Holiday. It was the, the colonists would go out and they would just shoot guns and then drink and eat. Maybe the greatest <laughs> holiday ever wait, invented. Wait, wait, we don't celebrate that anymore? No, <laughs> yeah, no yeah. I didn't get the word. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I, I, try, I definitely celebrate it whenever I whenever I have a little too much at Francis Tavern, maybe I'll, but it's not, not federally recognized anymore. Okay, all right. Uh, so then there was Forefathers Day. We would celebrate the landing of the Mayflower. Okay. Now uh, that's very politically incorrect. You could never do the four per or something. Right. And uh, then there was, of course, Shad Spawning and Corn Husking Day. That you and I still celebrate. Yeah, of but, course, of course. But, <laughs> why, you know, why did they celebrate these? They celebrated these because that's what mattered to this culture, right? right. What mattered was shooting guns, protecting themselves from Indians and British people. Right. And, uh, and, you know, corn husking, a very important aspect of that culture, especially in New England. And then uh, Evacuation Day, great day to celebrate. Yeah, did they actually have a holiday? Was there actually, did they put up an evacuation tree and like sing evacuation carols? <laughs> yeah, we'd go sing, sing evacuation hymns. <laughs> they would celebrate at that tavern where it all took place. But it really was widely known. Even 
even outside of New York, because this was the actual end of the revolution. And uh, so then even throughout the height of, you know, the American rise, the American ascendance, we had these great days. We had May Day, you know, that was a, basically a pagan holiday. You'd celebrate flowers in spring. Right. Then the socialists ruined that one. Yep. They stole that for the International Workers Party or whatever. Then there was Washington's birthday. They probably celebrated that when you were a kid. Oh, I remember Washington's birthday and Lincoln's birthday were yeah. both holidays, yeah. We had to get rid of those, though. We can't celebrate great men anymore. So and then we just had President's Day to celebrate the office, like Bill Clinton or something. Yeah, I don't when, know when where that came from. When they started President's Day, it, it, made, it made a certain amount of sense because what, what we thought of it as putting Lincoln and Washington together on one day, mm -hmm. which just made a lot, you know, a lot of sense. But now it's become this vague sort of... You know, you buy sheets. That's that's you all buy, you do. You buy, yeah. you buy, linen, you buy you know? sheets. Yeah. You celebrate Jimmy Carter, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Celebrating the office of the president, a very anti-American thing. Right. And then, uh, you know, even now, what, what do we have on the chopping block? Certainly Columbus Day. Yep. They're, they're literally getting rid of that holiday in cities across the country. Flag Day, nobody celebrates. All of these things that used to matter to Americans, we don't celebrate them anymore. But look at what's replaced it. Do you ever? I try to avoid the Google homepage as much as possible. Yeah, yeah I have the, I have their art thing, so I just get a, a painting instead of their Google. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean they they can uh, access all of my information already. I don't need to give them another right. way to do it. Yeah. But they do these doodles. So every so-called right. holiday, they'll put up a little picture, and it's a nice way to celebrate, right? Except they never do it on the real holidays. They as, as occasionally they put one up for Independence Day. But they didn't put up any forefathers. They didn't put up any founding fathers. Not Washington, not Lincoln, or rather, uh, not Washington, not Hamilton. Later on, they've never put up one for Lincoln's birthday. Uh, instead, here's what we've gotten. Amelia Earhart's 115th birthday. A terrible pilot. We have to celebrate <laughs> really, her birthday. You couldn't find her. Terrible navigator. Yeah, terrible navigator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Teacher's Day. They have like... 20 of these, because they do it Teacher's Day in every every uh, country in the world. Okay. Uh, Spanish poet, Lope de Vega's birthday, like, you know, you, you know, that important day of the <laughs> year. Rook Mabai Rout's birthday, a, a female physician in colonial India. Jose Clemente Orozco's birthday, celebrate Kimchi Day, Children's Day. Pedro Infante, a working class hero, Mexican actor. The 110th anniversary of Uganda's railway. <laughs> I, I mark it on my calendar, but I'm glad that Google <laughs> reminds me. The Uganda ra railway tree is of, very important yeah, you, to my house. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> sit around with the family and just and make choo-choo sounds. Uh, Cornelia Sarabji, the first female graduate of Bombay University. Uh, we know that you venerate that on your calendar. Uh, oh, that guy who called Joseph Conrad a racist, Chinua Achibi's birthday, and International Women's Day that you made a great video about. I did, yes. <laughs> what is missed? So obviously anything uh, uh, that pertains to real American history, yeah. they, they miss that. Anything that we've celebrated for 200 years, that's out. But uh, even Christmas, they'll grudgingly put up Christmas, but they never put up Jesus. No, they'll put no, up no, figures no, of no. other world religions, but yeah. not Jesus. No, the top go, trending go Twitter Jesus. holidays, yeah. Cheese Lover's Day, Siblings Day, Selfie Day, National Friendship Day, National Podcast Day, which yeah, I'll give that one a pass, <laughs> National Cookie Day, and Festivus, the Seinfeld, oh, the Seinfeld uh, Christmas joke. substitute. You know, what, you know what bothers me about this, though? It is... It is funny. It is it is funny. But it's also like we conservatives are so stupid that 
our intellectuals will not engage on questions like this. It's like it's like Trump in the NFL. It's like when Trump goes after that's the, exactly the right. minute the minute he did that, I thought, yes, that's one of the most important things he'll do because it isn't right to let our most privileged athletes get away with disrespecting the flag, no matter what they're trying to protest. So Trump was right, and all you hear is, oh, this is un why are we talking about this? Why are we talking? Right-wingers are idiots. <laughs> because, it, because the culture matters, That's you know. That's right. Never Trump will scold us. They'll say, well, this doesn't matter. It, who cares about it? He shouldn't be. This doesn't matter. But you know who it matters to? It matters to the left. The culture matters to because the left. they're smarter it, than we are. Yeah. The people who are kneeling down at this NFL protest, it matters to them. Right. Why are we? Why, why does it matter to them? Because cu culture comes from uh, the same word as cult, uh, colere in, in Latin, right, to cultivate. What we worship is related to the culture that we have. Yeah. And holiday, what does holiday mean? It means holy day. The, the holidays that we celebrate are what our culture venerates. It's what our culture looks to. So we might say, oh, this is silly. Who cares if they celebrate Chinua birthday instead of Christmas or something. Who cares if they kneel down? But the left cares, and they've had tremendous cultural ascendance over a century because of it. And I think Donald Trump gets it too. And I can't tell if his critics on the left are just being disingenuous because they don't like how uncouth the guy is, or if they genuinely don't realize that you know, what really, what matters here is the culture. That's, well, that's the big determiner I, of things. Everything else is just accounting. That's why they're so hysterical. That's why I was talking about at Thanksgiving. We had this discussion. I said, name something that Trump has done that has violated the Constitution or violated the norms of American governance. And only, they would only say what he had said. That's right. You know, you know I don't know if you've ever heard of the cartoonist uh, Gahan Wilson. He was, he was, did these kind of morbid, uh, very funny, but kind of, uh, horror cartoons almost, like in The New Yorker. He's still working, I think. He's still, if he's still alive, they still publish his stuff in The New Yorker. One of them I remember when I was a little kid was just a gigantic uh, zero, and people were dancing around it and like, like it was the golden calf, and somebody <laughs> observing him said, is nothing sacred? <laughs> and I think that that is what the left is trying to push us toward. If it's not, if the flag's not sacred, then disrespecting American history isn't, isn't sacred, and disrespecting American traditions aren't sacred, and we can start to institute the leftism that they're so desperate to have. This is this is Donald Trump's masterpiece. The mm -hmm. masterpiece of his presidency has been to become jingoistic about uh, American tradition in the face of the left's onslaught. No question about Everybody's it. Everybody's got to serve somebody. And yep. so they have That's to right. rip down the things that we do venerate, the things that we do look toward uh, as holy days, as, as worthy of celebration and worthy of remembrance. They have to rip those down first before they can cram their agenda down yep. our throats. And it is great. It is, it is the highlight of Trump, Trump's administration for me. You know, in the same way, in the same way the rank and file conservatives don't always support the culture, this kind of stuff we're doing, like in another kingdom, and the and the TV shows that which we, we try to put on the same way. The intellectuals don't support the things that make our everyday life uh, a part of uh, 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 that make our everyday life into an American culture. Mm -hmm. And intellectuals just don't think that stuff's important, and they're wrong. All right, good to see you. What's on your show tonight? Today, Today. we are covering the fake news trophy. We're <laughs> handing it out. I don't want to spoil it or anything, no, no, no. but it's going to that ridiculous government bureau, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and we're going to analyze why they got to burn it to the ground. I hope uh, Meryl Streep will be there to accept the award. That's <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be too busy applauding sexual assailants. But maybe, maybe she can come to this award show, too. That's right. The Michael Knowles Show comes on after this. Good to see you, Michael. Talk to you soon. All right. And it, with a perfect segue to go from Michael Knowles to our crappy culture.
I'll never, where did that music come from? What is that music? All right. So I noticed this. I was in New York recently, and I was in a, a children's section of a bookstore, and I noticed that they are they are peddling this left wing garbage like it's going out of style. Now, of course, it's New York, so it's the heart of cultural darkness. I get that. But still, and especially especially to little girls, and, you know, they, they don't have one yet, uh, you know, little Tommy puts on makeup, but I'm sure they're getting there. And what they do have is here is this book that I, I noticed called Feminist Baby. And, and Hot Air, uh, I think it was Hot Air, I found this, uh, they, they actually covered it. Uh, this Target is has selections of books for young children, Feminist Baby by Lauren Brantz, a writer on feminism and body image for BuzzFeed. Okay, so tells you all the things that Feminist Baby does. And I will read you some of them. Here's a picture from it, Feminist Baby. Feminist Baby says no to pants. So Feminist Baby doesn't wear diapers, okay? And that's, I'm sure every mom wants a baby who doesn't wear, why, what on earth, you know? <laughs> feminist Baby uh it makes lots of noise. It's fam a, a girl baby. I guess it's a girl baby banging on a uh, on pots. And I know moms love. They love when their kids bang on pots. Like you know, like, you just it's like feminist mom kills feminist baby for making lots of noise. And the next one rhymes with this, so I guess it's the next page. Feminist baby, the one you showed before, is feminist baby throws her toys. And this is this is feminism because one of the things that feminism does is it takes the worst behavior of men, the worst behavior of men. And it says, oh, this is empowering for women to do this. Yeah, I I've forgotten the name of that loudmouth comedian, Amy Schumer. Yeah, Amy Schumer. I should remember, right? It's Chuck's. Uh, is she related to Chuck? She probably is related. Yeah, she is related. She makes perfect sense. But, you know, she gets up and she says this, this filth comes out of her mouth and this kind of, uh, she uh, advocates and makes fun of this lifestyle of hard drinking and uh, uh, and sex and waking up and not knowing where you were, are and who you're with and all this stuff and completely uh, grotesque descriptions of her private parts. And the feminists go, yeah, this is so empowering. And you think like, huh, but men are supposed to be polite to women, right? Men are not, then when a man gets in an elevator with you and you're not safe, there's a problem, right? So it's like their culture, it's, a, you know, they have not they have no place to stand anymore. The New York Times is selling, you know, makeup to 10-year-old boys. Feminists are telling us that, that what we need are babies who throw their toys around instead of babies who, like, treat, learn to behave well. It's like, then they come to us and say, oh, Donald Trump is rude. Oh, men are, you know, toxic. On what on what grounds? On what grounds? So as the week goes on, unless the news breaks and I have to talk about uh, the immediate news, but I want to talk more about how we start to rebuild a culture, a moral culture, without their help, because they have we have nothing in common with them anymore. If you believe that a baby can be killed 10 minutes before it comes through the magic vagina that make, gives it humanity, uh, you know, you and I have nothing to talk about. But you and I, this audience and I, have a lot to talk about, and we can start to talk about uh, the ways in which rules matter and the ways in which individualism matter as well. Tomorrow, who do we have on tomorrow? We have uh, Bruce, oh, Bruce Bauer, really interesting guy. Uh, you'll, you'll, he moved to uh, Europe, to Scandinavia, because he was tired of homophobia and he found, learned a very important lesson about living overseas. He'll be with us tomorrow. I will be with us tomorrow. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. We'll see you then.